Would you pray with me once again, please? Lord God, thank you for giving us this quiet moment. We can come to you and we can pause. We can um, do our best to set um, all the things in our mind and our lives aside and, and just focus on you and pay attention to you. And Lord, in these next few minutes, uh, please guide my words. Please speak through me. Help us all to hear what you want us to hear this morning. Thank you for your presence, for never leaving us alone, and for being with us this morning. Amen. I'm going to start this morning by um, showing you four faces on a slide and asking you what these four people um, all have in common. Uh, There's Marilyn Monroe, Oprah Winfrey, Drew Barrymore, and then the the wild card of the group, uh, former heavyweight boxing champion of the world, Mike Tyson. All right? If you paid attention to the sermon topic for this morning, you may have kind of cheated and, and jumped to the fact, well, it, it has something to do with everything happens for a reason. And, and um, they have all said in one way or another, at one time or another, that their belief, each one of them believe that everything happens for a reason. That's, that's why they're all up there. That what, that's what unifies them. Um, so as I came across their quotes as I was preparing today, as I was kind of doing some research on the internet. And, and thankfully, things don't end with them. And, and the, they say it, so okay, we must accept it and move on. Of course, that's not reality. But in my searching online, I, I typed in the specific words, does everything really happen for a reason? And of course, I came across more answers. Um, one of the first search results I came across from, was from a site, gotquestions.org. And this, this is the response there, or the, or the statement there. Does everything happen for a reason? The short answer is yes, because God is sovereign. There are no random, out-of-control happenings. God's purposes may be hidden from us, but we can be assured that every event has a reason behind it. Okay, that's one perspective You may be nodding your head or you may be raising kind of not so sure about that one. So I didn't stop there, of course. Uh, Just the second or third um, link I clicked led me to another response, another statement. Again, from a Christian perspective, if you will, this this next one is from Christianity.com and it provides a different perspective. God is sovereign and in control of all things. What God orchestrates and allows is meaningful, significant, and purposeful. Though everything may not happen for a reason, what we find in the Bible is that God will redeem us, restore us, help us, and cause a good outcome for those of us who love him and follow him. So, you know, obviously um, thoughts are, are mixed about this question. Does everything happen for a reason? And kind of similar to, to last week's message, I just want to pause for a moment and acknowledge that I'm sure there are some of you who have a clear answer to this question in your mind. Perhaps your, your life experiences and your interpretation of scripture leads you to say quickly, yes, I, I'm convicted that everything happens for a reason. I, I, I feel that's as part of my, my theology. 
some of us uh, hear that question, we're like, no, I, I, don't, I don't think so. My life experiences don't line up with that. The way I look at stories in the Bible and interpret them, no, I'm not so sure that everything happens for a reason. In fact, I, I believe that's not true. And I, and I just want to say very clearly, that's okay, you know. This is a question that, that we don't have to be unified about. This, that our answer to this question doesn't uh, determine our salvation. Um, but it, it's worth wrestling with, and the reason why we're asking it today is, is really kind of twofold. One is, is our, our thoughts about this are connected directly to how we feel about how God is involved in this world or not involved in this world, and in our lives in particular. And it also, as we unpack this in the next few minutes, um, I, I, I've come to think this question is more about how I respond to it. it is, am I, am I going to be stuck in perhaps a past situation, stuck focusing on the why part? If everything happens for a reason, why did that happen? As opposed to being able, with God's help, to move forward and, and to move through a situation with God's help. So, so we're going to unpack those things a little bit together. Um, I've never heard anyone ask this question when things, when is they expected or, or when, when things went great. I've never, heard, I've never heard of someone winning the lottery and saying, well, I guess everything happens for a reason. I, that they may have had, but I've much more often heard this statement um, when, when something unexpected strikes. Usually loss, tragedy, natural disaster, um, something in our life disappoints us, and we're scrambling trying to make sense of it. We're trying to put the pieces together, we're trying to maybe find answers why, and we're trying to move forward. Um, but everything happens for a reason is a statement that's thrown around quite often. Uh, and it just, a lot of times it seems to come to us naturally. A few years ago, uh, my wife and I uh, were in a failing business venture. And even without thinking about it, without really, it just second nature, we kind of threw our arms up, looked to God. God, why? Why is this happening? Especially when it was something we felt like God brought us to begin and, and to do to start with. If everything happens for a reason, God, why is this happening? We, we almost lost everything financially. It was, it was really tough. But it, it's, it's almost second nature for us to ask why when the bottom falls out of life. And that's exactly what Jesus' followers did in the passage that Gene read earlier in John chapter 9. And we're going to look a little bit there at, at the responses. Um, they came across uh, a man who had been blind since birth. It, it's kind of written in or assumed, you know, that this blind man had a reputation. Um, people knew of him. He wasn't a stranger. He was well known. And everyone that knew this man knew that he had never been able to see. And Jesus' followers, the disciples, they, they looked at him, and, and in so many words, they acknowledged this isn't how it's supposed to be. He should be able to see. This is not fair. This, this can't be part of God's plan. They, they, they realize that and they acknowledge that. And, and, and they make this jump 
to when they asked the, the question in verse 2. They, his disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They, they see something that's not as it should be, and they automatically jump to, some, somebody caused this. There was a reason why this man is blind. And their reason in their mind, their assumption, somebody sinned. Somebody's sin caused this to happen, perhaps as a punishment or something else. So, so Jesus, who was it? Was it the man himself that sinned? Was it his parents that sinned? What's the reason? What's the cause? And Jesus responds, thankfully, um, in verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his, sin, nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. Jesus really quickly uh, kind of nips in the bud, puts, puts an end to the disciples thinking, there, there's somebody who's at fault here. Um, not the man's sin didn't cause this. Parent's sin didn't cause this. That's, that's the wrong, wrong track in a way. Without really saying it, Jesus is letting his followers know, you're off base here. You're following the wrong path. You're asking the wrong question. That's not what the emphasis should be. And instead, Jesus says, you know, in a way he answers their question, not directly, but in a roundabout way, what, what can happen from this situation moving forward is what you should pay attention to. What you should pay attention to is there's an opportunity here for God to work, for God to be known, for God to do something that only God can do. And as, as I've read and reread those verses at the beginning of this story, I, I think about our lives and, and how easy it is for us, especially in our culture today, to get sidetracked just like those disciples did. When something happens in our lives that disappoints us, that falls short, that we're trying to figure out how to pick up the pieces, we ask the question, why? And then often we start looking around, who's to blame? Who can I point my finger at? Whose fault is it? Who, who either can I pass the buck onto or who can I be mad at? And, and so often, if we're not careful, when tragedy strikes or hard situations hit, that's where we get stuck. That's where we find ourselves in trying to figure out why, trying to figure out who's at fault, we get stuck there. But Jesus redirects the thinking here. It's not just about the past. It's not just about why the blind man is blind. But from this point and moving forward, let's focus on that. Let's focus on what God is up to, what God can do in this situation. And as he said, so that God's work might re be revealed in this man's life. And then the story goes on. And if you have time, I encourage you to read all of chapter 9. Because it's, it's this great example, this great testimony of one man who was blind. God changed his life. And it wasn't just his life that was changed. All the people in this cascading domino effect realized, wow, something amazing happened. And people begin to think about God that hadn't thought about God before. It's a great example of how when God does something in one person's life, how it makes a difference in so many other lives. 
So, so this question, everything happens for a reason. Um, as far as I know, as far as I've been able to come across, all the different versions of the Bible I've read and, and looked at, those exact words are nowhere in the Bible. It is no, not written in any version I've come across. Everything happens for a reason. That, that's not in Scripture. The closest thing, the way I look at this, is in Romans chapter 8. And ultimately, we're going to get to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. But before we, we jump to that verse, um, as we, we continue to wrestle with this question and think about what it means for us today, um, we, we need to back up and, and, like so many things in Scripture, um, understand the, the context, understand what, what the bigger picture is here. Uh, Paul is writing to the Christian church in Rome, and we're going to start by looking at, at verses 18 and 19, kind of the beginning of this passage that leads us where we need to go this morning. Paul wrote, in, starting in verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. So he, he's, he's acknowledging what you and I know without even thinking about it. Life is hard. He, he talks about the, the sufferings in this present time. Um, so so that, that's the context here. When life is tough, when things happen that you are asking why, that you're trying to figure out, um, how, how, how do you navigate that? How do you deal with that? There is an important just kind of background piece I want to point out. It's not necessarily relevant today, but I think it's significant to point out. You know, Paul is talking to, to Christians like you and me, but Christians who lived in a very different time, in a very different culture. Um, we all, if, if we ask ourselves, is life ever hard? Yeah, life is hard. There's seasons when it is. These Christians would have said the same thing. But a big part of life being hard for them is that they didn't live in a culture that was supportive or, or at least open to Christianity like our culture is. Um, we are tremendously blessed with freedom of religion, freedom of expression, to be able to show up here this morning, to do what we're doing, to be able to live out our faith as we go about work or school, as we support our kids in sports, whatever it is. We, we, and we can talk, you know, have discussions, and well, Christians are, are ridiculed or whatever in our country, sure. But compared to these Roman Christians, Compared to so many other parts of the world today, um, we, we don't line up with the, the, the oppression that the Christians that Paul was writing to was at. So that, that's an underlying piece of this I just want to point out and acknowledge, is that there is much more about being oppressed because of the religious beliefs back then than what we have to endure. But overall, everything's similar. Life can be hard sometimes. And how do you navigate that when life is hard? So jumping down to, to verse 26 of this passage, um, Paul continues to write, When life is hard, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. And God, who searches hearts, 
knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I wanted to focus on this because it, it's so, um, so easy when, when we throw up our hands and ask, why is this happening to me? To feel like we're all alone. And these verses are such a comfort, are so important to remember and keep in mind that, that God doesn't leave us alone. Through God's spirit, God is with us. God is there speaking into our lives. The spirit is praying on our behalf. God is with us to journey through whatever that hardship is to help us overcome it and get through it. I mentioned earlier uh, the, the business failing that, that Carol and I went through. And, and there was a moment, or probably several moments in that, when we felt paralyzed. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to say. We didn't know how to pray. We were just stood there with our looking up to God, hands extended, empty without any answer, anything to do. It, it, was, it was the worst feeling I've had in my life. And yet this, this truth that Paul reminds us of is that I didn't have to say anything. I, I didn't have to know the words to say to God to get God to, to show up and be a part of that. God's spirit was already there with us. God was, even if it was so hard to feel or it was so dark, God's spirit was with us, praying for us with groans that words can't express. And that is so reassuring and comforting when we deal with these situations and when we're asking why. Why did this happen, God? And that brings us to, to, the, to the final verse, verse 28. Paul wrote, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. Um, the, you know, the end of that, there's kind of a qualifier, the end of that verse, for those people that love God, who are called according to his purpose, for people who, who are Christians, people who have placed their faith in Jesus as their savior and their leader. But in those, for, for those people, when life is hard, God is working for, for not to change the past, but for the present and moving forward. The New International Version says it, says it this way. It's worded, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So for me, as I, as I think about, does everything happen for a reason? Does it not I come to this truth, to this verse. There are going to be things that happen in life that disappoint me, that I try to explain, that I'm tempted to point fingers and blame somebody else for. But in those situations, if I'm with God, as God is with me, God can work through those situations for the good, not only of myself, but for others. In closing, you know, I want to share a story with you um, about a lady named Jane and her son, Nate. 
Um, you see a photo of Nate up on the screen. I, 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 Jane's given me permission to, to share their story. I hope I can do it justice. Um, it's a really heavy, hard story. Um, Nate uh, graduated from college a couple of years ago, uh, had his uh, promising career in front of him, and tragically, terribly, um, he lost his life by suicide. And, of course, Jane is the mom trying to, trying to figure out, trying to cope with that. Why? Why would such a terrible thing happen? As she processed her grief after that, she, 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 these are a few of the words she wrote. She said, my pain is immeasurable. My loss is irreplaceable. Our family is destroyed. I think if I were in Jane's shoes, I would have had it terrible time trying to move forward. I would have constantly been stuck with why. Why did this happen? Just like Jesus' disciples in John 9, I would have looked for someone to point a finger at. It's their sin that led to this. And, and I won't go into the details, but, but Jane could have pointed some fingers But as I've, I've talked with Jane a few times and, and talked about Nate's life and, and what, what she is doing, um, she, she has not got stuck in the past. She's not got stuck with trying to figure out the why, even though I know that's a question that still lingers. She's not got stuck with pointing fingers and blaming other people. But as she continues to grieve the loss of her son, what Jane has decided to do is to dedicate her life to educating, informing, talk, uh, talking with people, especially teens and young adults, about mental health. And she's dedicated herself to helping them know that it's okay when you struggle and to help connect them with resources so that their story might not end like Nate's story did. And I so admire what that's doing. I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not doing her story justice. But when I think about this question of, of does everything happen for a reason, I, you know, I'm not going to answer yes or no to that in, in my own life. But I think about the lessons from Jesus, these truths that Paul wrote, and I think about the importance of, of not getting caught up, sidetracked with just why did this happen in the past? Who can I blame for it to happen? That as we move forward with God's help, as God works in the lives of those who love him, God can work for good, regardless of the tragedy, regardless of how bad something is, if we look to God in those situations. So this morning as we think about does everything happen for a reason or not, remember the words from Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let's pray together. God, we're so thankful that you continue to be with us. We know life is hard. You didn't promise us or, or tell us that, that life would be easy. 
But Lord, we thank you that you're with us, that you don't leave us alone, that your spirit constantly is with us, even when we don't know where to turn or what to say or how to pray. Your spirit is doing that for us. And Lord, in this moment, help each of us to know that it's you that we should look to, that you we should follow, that it's you we should stay connected to when things happen in life that we try to figure out why. Why did this happen? And Lord, we thank you that you love us enough that you stay with us in those moments and are with us to lead us into the future. Thank you for Jesus. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.